Hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. So um, I have to tell you why this whole live stream came about. I hope you guys are having a fantastic weekend. The weather is getting a little bit cooler here. I mean, when I say cooler here in Louisiana, I'm saying it's in the 90s instead of the 103s. So <laughs> cool is all in perspective, I guess we'll say. But um, this week I had to take my continuing education, which is something that is required of all real estate agents in each state that we that we're required to, to like, um, you know, like we just have to take these hours. Um, so anyways, I got to talk to a bunch of real estate agents that I hadn't spoken to all year. And I have to tell you, like, and this is not like, this is just from what I observed. There was a, there was a sense of panic. I'm not, I'm not joking. Like there's a sense of panic that this year coming up, there's going to be a lot less home sales, a lot less. And they got their eyes open for this past year because the, the two years beforehand, I mean, nobody had to advertise anything. You know, they just were selling houses off the, off the racks. They didn't even have to advertise nothing. They were just the phone. They picked up the phone and someone was buying a house. So then this year, because of the lack of supply of homes to sell, a lot of them had struggled, you know, and I'm sure you saw the, all the articles that were saying like, the, you know, real estate agents are getting out of the business, which really weeded out the people that really should have never been in the business in the first place, which was not necessarily a bad thing. But the people that have stayed and because of the income they received for this past year, because they're not selling as much, has to have has a sense of panic for them for the this year coming up. And it was it was bizarre to me on how much they were they were freaking out. And I kept asking everybody, what do you think it's going to be that that causes homes to to drop? And I got one story before we get into the articles. I want to tell you this one story. So the thing that was uh, said to me was there are people out there right now that are in a financial situation, but they're too embarrassed to reach out to ask for help. They haven't been paying their mortgages. They did the forbearance twice. This one, this one agent was telling me they had done the forbearance twice. And by the time that he finally called her to, to list his, her home, uh, their home, it was too late. It was too late because now the foreclosure process was already, the wheels were in motion because they hadn't been paying. And so there was nothing they could do. So that house is going to be going through the foreclosure process, not to be seen on the market for at least nine months. If the, if the bank even puts it on the market, most likely it'd be sold to investor before it ever hit, it hits the open market. But I'm curious to find out how many of these people are in this situation that they took the forbearance, then they restructured their loan, and now they're getting to the point where they can't pay it. And then as the economy gets to the point where more and more people can't afford their lives, we actually have more people now that are below the poverty line than we ever have in history. Um, how many of those that we secretly don't know that aren't paying their mortgage because they haven't hit that foreclosure number yet um, the following year, how many of those are we actually going to see? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm just I'm just telling you what I observed in this um, specific meeting and uh, how how the the landscape of this meeting had really changed. The other thing I wanted to point out, too, is normally when we have these these classes, they're very small. They're very they're very small. Most people take them online. And this time this this year, that room was full, packed from uh, front to back because it was their free classes. You just go there for two days and they were packed. And that surprised me as well, how many people actually showed up because it was a free, there were free classes. So 
it's going to be an interesting year next year. So uh, that being said, um, I did put a poll out there and we're going to look at that in a bit. But um, there was a few articles that came out about what what they believe it was going to make the housing market pop. So, Eddie, without further ado, if you could throw up one of those articles, please, I would greatly appreciate it. While he's doing that, I want to say hi to Debbie Brady, MH8. I want to say hello to you. Beth R., welcome to the live stream. Crow Homestead, always here. Always, always such a great uh God to always have on the on the channel. At one time he was a moderator, but it's it's kind of late at night for him, like super mega late. So <laughs> I don't blame him. Lawnmower's in the house. There's several of you here. BB's here. Jay Moore is here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so when will the housing market burst? Investors warn of a black swan timeline. So I had a little some issues with this article, but you'll you're if you've been watching this live stream for a bit or listening to this as a, a podcast, you know, you're going to know what my qualms are pretty quick. Real estate developers warning of a black swan event within the next calendar year due to the, due to the housing market's pre, unprecedented volatility. Vi, vi, Thank you. Sean <laughs> uh, Terry, a former U.S. Marine, a founder of Flip to Freedom, said a combination of elevated housing prices high interest rates might lead the Federal Reserve to inadvertently not or not wanting the mar market to crash because it would lead to a future affordability issues. But in July, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell announced a 0.225 basis point increase from 5.25 to 5.5, the most significant in 22 years, and the 11th hike in the past 12 U.S. central banking policy beginning on March 20, uh, 2022. The Fed has targeted bringing the current inflation rate to 3.8% down to 2%, which is possible uh, is a possibility with interest rate hikes. Scroll on, Eddie. Let's get to the housing market part. <laughs> you know, I hate all these ads. All right. Where did you go, Eddie? Where are you going? Eddie's going crazy. <laughs> All right. Black swan events occur when the circumstances may be inevitable for unforeseen or by various. Uh, oh, I can't even say that word through retrospect. Signs of major catastrophes are evident along the way. Uh, Eddie, I think you skipped a major part of this. Thank you, Alex, for the 1999 super chat. I don't know where Eddie's at. He's all over the place, man. He's scrolling. He's scrolling. <laughs> All right. How do you make uh, housing uh, more affordable if their interest rates? Terry said on Real Estate Disruptor, if the prices don't come down, something will crack. And I think we're going to have a black swan event in the next eight, six to eight months that's going to rock the markets. But the reason he says that there's going to rock the markets, I don't agree with. Once we find that part of the article, there's so many ads on this article, it's kind of making it difficult. I'm sorry, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Terry compared, this is the part where this, Terry compared the current market to the 2008 market, which pre, uh, preceded the Great Recession, the major market crash that led to government bailouts of making major banks, more banks could be consolidated by the larger ones. He added to bolster the banks too big to fail, which make them even bigger, including J.P. Morgan Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase. Earlier this year, First Republic Bank was closed by, closed by regulations with J.P. Morgan Chase after becoming the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. The central bank failure was the third to occur in, in 2023, collapsing the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. 
Thank you, Alex. I, I had said thank you too. And thank you. I appreciate you. That helps support the channel very much. Terry also compared the 2006 uh, compared the market to 2006, which led to the housing market crash. In 2006, there was a 69-point spread between Chase, the Chase Shiller and Home Price Index and real disposable income, resulting in a massive foreclosure and economy gone awry. That bubble reformed in 2012. Look at where we are now. We are 136-point spread. Uh, we are in a massive bubble. And I believe it's going to pop and it's going to pop and it's coming soon in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, in August, uh, the National Association of Realtors reported a 2.2% decrease in home purchases in July, attributing to unfavorable inventory availability in, and in mortgage rates. Even though we're seeing more less home sales right now, it, like the home prices are still hold and put. Most homeowners continue to enjoy their wealth gains from recent years with little concern about price declines, said chief economist Lawrence Yoon. However, many renters are concerned as they are facing growing affordability challenges because of their high interest rates. Uh, Yoon told uh, Newsweek on Monday that the current housing market problem is limited by supply, which you guys, you guys are smart. You know this because I've been talking about it endlessly. And it began in the pre-pandemic when the shortage was approximately four to five million new housing units in uh, America to, in 2019. They came uh, about that came about due to the population and job growth outpacing the new construction. Then the shortage worsened during the first year of COVID and the real estate boom, as many desired to take advantage of the historically low rates. The shortage intensified and mortgage rates shot up due to homeowners who were unwilling to list and give away their locked-in rates. So this is the part I was going to talk about. So how many of those people that took that forbearance, had a restructuring of their loans, still haven't found a job that necessarily pays their mortgage and are too scared to actually put their house on the market or, you know, or embarrassed, you know, that they weren't able to pay it. How many are out there? And uh, one, uh, one is still calming in the economy and inflation that could lead to modestly lower mortgage rates and more buyers entering the market. It will also depend on home builders escalating construction, including repurposing empty commercial buildings and residential units. Now, the, here's the other thing that we like we we've talked about this all the time that they should be turning these uh, commercial buildings that aren't being used now and into residential units. But what I'm seeing across the board that any developer that is taking commercial property and turning into residential units, they're not affordable. They're luxury units. They are very expensive housing units. I saw one though, that was really bad. And you, I'll have to, I have to pull up this picture. I mean, I'll pull it up next week because it's terrible. Home prices are not crashing in this scenario, said Yoon. Home prices will depend on whether home builders can fill this uh, sufficient supply to the housing market. And everybody that keeps arguing with me, there's plenty of houses out there. Um, they're just sitting vacant. There's many reasons why investors keep homes vacant, you know, and they're doing it for a reason. It's not because they're looking to sell them at a loss. That's for sure. Uh, the scenario of an economic recession leading to job losses in turn, forcing selling of homes is less as less con consumer confidence enters the market. That will also lead to much lower interest rates and about a 70 to 80% of Americans will stable employment, potentially taking advantage of such rates. 
So uh, one of the other things that people have been talking about, and I mentioned it in my last video, is that um, as they, the, the bonds market is going to determine what mortgage rates do. If mortgage rates dip just in the fives, like even if it's 5.9, we're going to have a scenario again of home prices going crazy. This scenario may cause home prices to rise, rise even faster if the, some of the wealthy people decide to real, reallocate investments from stocks, uh, the stock market into the real estate market. We will not have to uh, we will not have a repeat of 2018 or 2012 market crash. There will be no risky subprime mortgages that can implode, nor a combination of massive oversupply of overreduction of homes. And that's what happened in 2000. In you know, before the crash was there was a ton of risky loans out there. Builders were building houses like popcorn. I mean, they were just going up everywhere. And we haven't had that because builder builders' confidence hasn't been great. And when the pandemic started, we were already short a bunch of homes. I've been doing a housing supply videos, the shortage problem since before 2019. I knew we were short homes and I knew we were facing a big problem. Who knew it was going to escalate as quickly as it has? And now, but even then, we weren't even building affordable homes back then, very few smaller homes. That being said, not all areas are going to have the same issue. So if the job market collapses, you know, of course, you're going to see more houses drop. But um, in those smaller towns, you're not going to see significant price changes one way or the other because they never had significant increases. Um, and they didn't, so they probably won't have significant decreases, just to FYI. Yeah, walking away from a mortgage and office in, involves a bankruptcy. And you're right, because uh, that real estate agent I was talking to said that they went ahead and filed bankruptcy. Like they couldn't pay their mortgage. They could. They ended up not paying their car loan. So they just went ahead and did a whole bankruptcy. And you know, if you go through that, more, if you foreclose on your home and you go through a bankruptcy at the same time, that actually delays the whole foreclosure process even more. There's even more bank records and paperwork they have to do. So it takes even longer to hit the market. And if you want to really throw a wrench in it, the foreclosure process, go ahead and be foreclosed on, go through bankruptcy and get a divorce. Then you're looking at like something between uh, two to four years before you ever see it on the market. On average, there was one down the road here. It took six years before you ever saw it back on the market because of all the legal paperwork, because they got divorced on top of it all. I mean, it's crazy. Unless Memphis Grizzles win the NBA championship, I will wouldn't expect the market to crash. The only like honestly though, the the feeling of home buyers and the feeling of real estate agents has shifted. People have really said enough with these prices. The only people are going to pay the price for homes today is a if the interest rates for homes go down b there's a significant price drop or c there's an uh, a significant amount of supply of the homes on the market because a lot of people are kind of like you know what i'm just going to step out forget it i'm not i'm not paying these prices i'm not going to pay for that interest rate in hopes that later on down the road the interest rate will go down and i'll i'll refinance cuz that's a recipe for disaster a lot of people are saying that Others are saying, well, I mean, obviously these home prices aren't sustainable. So at some point they're going to crash. I'm going to wait for that. So if we have a, uh, more and more people have to sell their house and there's less and less people saying I'm going to willing to pay that price and the interest rates are still up, it's very possible we could see 
see some home prices in the negative territories. I mean, I, I, I mean, you got to remember too, though, these people won't be hitting foreclosure. They're just taking a price reduction. A lot of people are sitting on a buttload of equity, a buttload of equity, but at least a lot of home sellers in some areas will be more negotiable. In my area, they've been more negotiable for over a year. Like that very rarely do you see, you know, no contingencies or, you know, waiving the, the, uh, you know, inspection period or anything like that. The only time that you see that is if the rates start to dip. And if we see rates below six, like just a hair under 6%, if it's like 5.99 or something like that, people are going to go crazy again. They're going to go nuts because they're going to see that magic number and they're going to be like, I got to get in right now. So anyways, Debbie Brady says, um, will 2024 be the year of the foreclosure? I don't know. I mean, I mean, that was like, honestly, that was extremely eye opening to me. We still are not like, I, we're just right at the same levels we were before 2019. I think we're just a hair under. So I don't, I don't see foreclosures like, um, foreclosure rates for all 50 states in July of 2023. Oh, thank you, Eddie. Let's pull this up. Let's see what they are. Let's see what they are. The foreclosure rates. Do, do, do. Um, so yeah, Vermont's number 50. I want to know what number one is. Let's scroll all the way down to see who is number one. If I'm going to guess, if I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess New Jersey. New Jersey's usually number one. So let's just see if I'm right. <laughs> you guys put in your guess. Well, who do you think number one is while Eddie scrolls down? Oh, uh, Massachusetts was 21 there. Louisiana's 19. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. I bet you the, well, the um I bet you those foreclosures are mostly in the New Orleans area because they've had a they've had a rocky real estate market during this uh, whole pandemic. Oklahoma's number ten, Florida's number nine, Connecticut's is number eight, Ohio is number seven, Nevada is number six. That's the land of Las Vegas. We got South Carolina is number five. Number four is Illinois. Delaware is number three. New Jersey's number two. I was close. Let's see who number one is. Let's see who's number one. Ready? Everybody get their guesses in. Everybody's saying California. Let's see. Let's see who's number one, Eddie. Don't keep them waiting. Nevada. Nope. Wasn't Nevada. Wasn't California. Don't keep them waiting, Eddie. Put them up on the screen. Come on. I don't have control over the screen. He won't. He's making us wait, man. I hate that. Maryland. Maryland. All right, number, ranked 18th from the most populous state in uh, America, in miniature in pl uh, place for the high miniature place first for the highest foreclosure rate in second for the second month in a row, totaling 2,516,314 units, of which 1,215 went into foreclosure. Uh, the state's foreclosure rate was one of the one in every 2,071 households. So every for every 2,071 households, somebody is getting foreclosed on. The counties, uh, an independent city where most foreclosures were per unit, were from Kent, Cavalier, Baltimore City, Prince George County, and in Charles County. Interesting. I would have never in a million years guessed Maryland of all places. You know, it's stu it's stupid expensive in Maryland too. Like. I don't even understand why anybody would even choose foreclosure. If you're in that position and you 
let me just put it this way. If you are in a position, you've been out of work for a couple months, your, your, uh, your savings account is running dry, you're in panic mode, go ahead and sell your house right now. There are many real estate agents that understand the foreclosure process and know how to talk to your lender to get it all straightened out so that when you're at the closing table, you can get some money back from you. They can structure this whole thing and make the ride a lot easier than you trying to do it on your own. Um, you know, because when you get people on the phone from your bank or any lending uh, institution, they'll say all sorts of things on the phone and, and you're doing all the things they told you to. Then you get somebody else on the phone and they can tell you something completely different. When you work with a, a real estate agent that understands the foreclosure process or that process of when you've missed payments and how to get your home closed. They know how to talk to them. They know how to get the right kind of documentation. So that way they have to stand by what they said. So um, if you're in this situation, and I know many of you are, and I know you don't want to pay that commission, but that commission will be the best money you ever spent because you'll end up being able to close on your home and walk away from it without ruining your credit. Um, you know, I'm, I know people are saying, oh, she's just saying that because she's a real estate agent. No, I'm not saying that because I'm a real estate agent. If you don't, if you're not in this situation and you want to sell it on your own, go ahead, sell it on your own. I don't have any issues with that. But what I'm telling you is when you're in a, in a situation where you haven't been making your payments and you don't understand how this goes, let me tell you, it can go south really quick. And the bank isn't there to help you out. That's for darn sure. But that real estate agent knows how to do it. Um, when I, back, back in the last crash, I made my income off of short sales and foreclosures. And to talk to banks, I literally, no joke, would sit on the phone all day with it on speaker while I was doing other work because I was just waiting for other people to speak with. I would, I remember one time it was four hours for one, one house to get sold. That was, and it was a short sale. And there's nothing short about a short sale. Nothing. It's the longest process under the sun, man. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. BlackRock and other huge headphones will soak up all the excess inventory for cheap. And that's, you're right, Jerry Garcia, because you know what? That's exactly what they did during the last crash. They were, they were basically forced to buy. They were like, uh, these banks were like, look, we're too big to fail. You guys uh, offer, you know, told us to offer these loans, these packages. We bundled them all up for all your investment buddies. Buy back this supply because we don't need it on our books. It's it's ruining us. And they were like, okay, <laughs> okay. So they buy it and they're like, what do we do with it? And some savvy real estate agent said, well, you know, people are foreclosing on, they need something to rent. Why don't you just rent them out? Just fix them up a little bit. So put some paint on there and just rent them out to everybody. And they did. And then they realized how much money it could make them. And they were like, huh, we could package this up as REITs. We can even make more money off of people. And then they they really restructured their whole plan. They love them. They love real estate. They love it. Uh, all right. I bet that it won't pop. The buyer mix will shift. But my guess is that corporations will be that marginal buyer for any homes below the median. You're right. Homes above the median, those could pop. You know what? That's an interesting thought. So um, I know for my area and many areas that anything uh, in that top tier, that top tier area is always, it's always more difficult to sell. You know, when you're, when you're in, in my specific area, if you have anything over a million dollars, 
it's going to be a lot harder to sell. And anything like between 600 and a million, um, it may not be as hard, but it's still more difficult to sell because there's so much more available in that area, right? And so you're trying to sell not just the house, you're trying to sell all the amenities and everything else that goes with it because there's so much available in that specific price range, including new construction. So the competition's higher. Those homes have been seeing more significant price reductions in my specific area. Anything that's below 200 has had like an easier time. But I'll tell you this, one of the outskirts areas of Baton Rouge has like three listings right now um, that are that haven't even been shown because I talked to those agents and they're under 300,000. They're under 300,000. They're not in a flood zone. They've never flooded before and they've never even had a showing. So to me, that tells me the buyers are tired. Buyers are tired and they're just waiting for the, the, the interest rates to drop because they're way below the median cost of a home, but they're not, they're exhausted. But I also will say this, this time of year when football season starts is around here is always a, a lull in the housing market anyways, but not to the point where nobody has seen the house, not one showing. That's, that's not good. Oh, we have a question for Eddie, Trevor H. Could a, could a macro social economic drop in the Fed percentage rate actually do anything to cause a drop that could take the housing rates even lower and drive even more renters to own tiny homes? There's always that possibility. There's always uh, a po that possibility. So um, if home prices continue to go up, young people are much more savvy than they've ever been. Um, even during the pandemic, they were like, you know, we, we used to, I'm Gen X, and we used to joke about like, oh, I'm going to go live down by the river in a van, right? You know, but kid, like people younger than us were like, you know what? I will go live in a van down by the river and I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to make content about it and monetize my life. And they've made a killing doing it. They're not, um, they're not embarrassed by that lifestyle. They're not even close to embarrassed. Something that would kill my family's soul. My parents would be like, oh my God, you know, these kids are like, whatever, this is what I could afford. I'm traveling everywhere and I'm going to enjoy my life. And um, I, I also know from the type of content I do, younger people don't have a problem looking at a manufactured home. Some people call them a mobile home or a trailer home. They don't care. They're like, oh, I have my own piece of land. And this is the house I live in. Fantastic. You know, it's better than living in a neighborhood my, my friends got with a postage stamp lot. And I got a much bigger bedroom than they do. The uh, that that veil of, uh, you know, of oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I think for young people, they're like, you know what? We're just trying to survive. So, you know, I just want somewhere to call my own. It's better than renting. I'm going to buy it. There there isn't that a, that wave of embarrassment that there, I think there was in generations, um, you know, ahead of us. So I don't know. I, 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 I encourage anybody to look at anything real estate wise that would be, uh, that other people would raise their eyebrow to and say, no, I wouldn't do that if I were you, because if it gives you financial freedom and you own it, who cares what other people think? I mean, honestly, if you're able to get yourself a slab of dirt for $10,000 and then you can put up a 
a camper or a, a, a little RV van out there and you can have your own um, well water and solar power and you don't barely have a mortgage. I mean, you're paying like $100 in mortgage and $100 in taxes on property taxes a year on it. Go for it, man. I mean, that's to me, that's like you're a genius, honestly. <laughs> no one's, you're not tied down to anything. That's awesome. Uh, Desert Eden, Eden Bloom says, wait, back up. I was behind my, I was behind my mortgage in 2008 and got a home modification via my bank of Wells Fargo. So that realtor might not be uh, in on the no, always reach out to your lender. Yes, this is true. So, but this person that she was talking about took the forbearance twice, did a home restructuring and still didn't pay his mortgage. He was done and he was filing a bankruptcy. So yeah, always check, always check with your lender first. If you were, you're completely right. If you're in a financial bind, see what work with your real, uh, your uh, lender first, see what they can do for you. If anything, some of them won't, some of them will not, but some of them will, especially some local ones. They're really good about it. Will the housing uh, interest percentage drop to five again? There's rumors of it. There are rumors of it. I have to tell you years ago, like two years ago, I kept saying interest rates were going to reach over five and then following year. And then everybody kept telling me, you're wrong, Christina. You're wrong. Oh, I, I could see it at 3%, maybe 4%, but not, not 5%. And then it went up to 7%. And I was like, <laughs> who's right? Christina was right. <laughs> so. Thank you. <laughs> I did a little <gasps> look at that. VCG construction with a $20 super chat. Thank you, Vince. That is so nice of you. I love your channel too. If you guys need to know anything you could possibly ever need about any tool under the sun, VCG construction has it. They've been my longtime YouTube friends from the very beginning. I think I had 10 subscribers at the time, and he found one of my videos and wrote something on there. I was like, oh. <gasps> And then I just followed him then. And then we actually even met him once in um, the great state of Texas. Eddie and I went out and met him and his lovely wife. And we met lawnmower there too. <laughs> we did. And no joke, I got at that time on his channel, I got into a clothes dryer. <laughs> to show everybody, to prove how incredibly small I was, I jumped into a clothes dryer. <laughs> Christina's an idiot. <laughs> so... Anyways, if we have any questions, go ahead and put them on the screen, Eddie. Thank you so much. Uh, Muddy Sneaker 77 says, Christina, would you buy a home in 2024 or would you wait to see if unemployment rises and prices dr uh, drip a bit? That's a deep question. That is a deep question. So um, my husband and I, matter of fact, are on the house hunt for buying a home for our daughters. Um, we're, I know that sounds like but um, we, we kind of are in a place where we could possibly buy a uh, investment property because they're going to college there. Instead of them paying rent to a landlord, why don't we just buy a house, fix it up and have them rent the house from, um, from us. So that's what we're thinking about. And we we're stewing on that ourselves. Like, should we wait? If to me, if the, the interest rates drop, I'm going to get a house. Um, if the interest rates drop, I'm getting a house. There's no doubt about it because I'm not sure when, with the cost of building materials and the lack of the slowing of home construction, it just keeps getting slower and slower every year. And the only time that they're building new houses is if they're 
wicked expensive, that isn't going to work. So that just means the smaller houses are going to get more expensive. So for me, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to tell you what to do because I don't know what your financial situation. But for me, if the interest rates drop, I'm buying a house. So that's what I'm going to do. I, I just don't, th I, I think living on a hope and a prayer that home prices tank uh, in the next year or so, I, I, I don't know. I just, I can't see it happening unless the job market tanks. And, you know, there is, there's whispers that it could, but every time that there's been whispers of it, the Fed's been trying to do it for over a year. They said that they wanted to lose, uh, like they wanted to drop like 4 million jobs. So they wanted to remove 4 million jobs from the jobs market and that hasn't happened. But everybody I know that's looking for jobs says they can't even find one. So I don't know. It's like, I feel like there's like a, almost like an imaginary wall. And once that wall like starts tumbling down, then we're going to see a lot more. Uh, I don't know. V-Man says HOA commitment that will make the rules in the condo complex. Are there families that live there or is it companies outside the community? It was in place after the, the complex was built. How are, how are they chosen? Okay, so HOAs, a lot of times the builder uh, works with a company that they've known forever, you know? Yeah, so they'll, they'll do that. They'll, they'll, they'll just work with an HOA company that they've already put in there. It's a, but once all the units are sold, it's up to the people of the building if they want to continue with that specific uh, HOA. That's how it works here. Um, and you can vote out them out and get another, you know, HOA in if you don't like them. So who's the fluffy redhead in the <laughs> redhead data nerd? Who's the fluffy redhead data nerd? I don't know. I don't know who the fluffy redhead data nerd is. <laughs> I don't know that. All right. Uh, manufactured homes are depreciating asset. No matter what the manufacturer says, it's scary on hurricane prone areas. I will disagree on you on that. Homes that were built before 1976, you're correct. Not all manufactured homes are a depreciating asset. Just like any piece of real estate, it's the location. If you're going to put your manufactured home in a manufactured home park, yes, you're going to lose money on your manufactured home. There's no doubt about it because you don't own the land underneath it. It's just basically you're paying for, you're renting a parking space and that's where you're parking your home. And it's really super expensive to move it. So it's going to be there for life. And if you don't pay for it and you can't move it, then the people that have the park get the, the manufactured home. But if you have a manufactured home on a good piece of real estate, you have an appreciating asset. And I can show you so many, so many listings that have sold for above market value in the last 10 years that were sitting on a nice piece of land and they made a good profit. Now, would they have made more profit if they had a house there? Absolutely, 100%. But it wasn't a depreciating asset for them. It still made them money. So anyways, will auto repos uh, come first before hitting the real estate market? <gasps> that is a really interesting uh, question. So I follow a lot of different investment people on um, all sorts of platforms. And they've been calling for a rise in repossession of cars for over a year. But I have yet to have seen any of these cars come to fruition. And they've been saying it really for like a year and a half. Everybody wants to be the one that said, I said it first, you know, <gasps> I said that happened. I said it was going to happen. You know, if you say it enough, it will end up happening. I think that we're going to see uh, more cars in uh, 2024 being repossessed. 
and that will help with the um the the, the high price of vehicles because to buy a used car right now is absolutely ridiculously stupid expensive but with that being said the automakers it looks like there's going to be another strike there and i don't know if you saw the news report but they said that if there is a strike of workers that new cars will go up in price um because you know that they just have to and according to the car makers they just have to so if you that's always been one of those things once the repossession of cars go up then the repossessions of homes come like nine months later so it's that's a good indicator to look from that's for sure yep definitely a good indicator affordable homes equals major fixer out there it can yeah well i mean my husband and i's first house was literally the pit literally the grossest house under the sun. It actually was full of renters. And um, it was the first house we ever bought. We bought it for a steal. We put a lot of blood, sweat, equity in it, and we sold it for a mint. So, I mean, it works. And then we bought a house around the corner here. Um, and it was, uh, again, a dump. It was full. It was, it was a hoarder's house, had uh, rats as big as cats in there. We'd fix that up. And that thing is a, it's a, diamond because they rezone that whole entire area as multifamily units. You know, it can, it can be multifamily. I'm sorry, mixed use. I'm sorry. They rezoned it for mixed use. So I can use it as commercial property or I can use it as residential. And do you know what that did? It made the value go up exponentially. So yeah, fixer upper means sweat equity, which means high returns. <laughs> so yeah, Marco Polo says, Christina has an amazing channel. Thank you, Marco Polo. Marco, everybody else say it. Put it in the chat, Marco. <laughs> and he played, but he played those swimming games. <laughs> so smart to buy a home and have your kids rent from you. Well, I mean, I'm trying to give them the, the opportunity to figure this out for themselves, right? And trust me, the house that we're getting them isn't going to be like, it's not going to be a brand new house. I can tell you that, you know, it's going to be the one that makes them go, if I had this house, I'd do this. If I had this, I would do this. It, the one that keeps their imagination going so that when they will want their own house, they will want to do things in the house. Um, yeah. And I think that's what saved me because I always, we always, we always had nice houses growing up when I was a kid, but I always had that imagination of, well, if I have a house, I would really want this. And that motivated me to want my first house. So Fran has a question. We are listing and selling our house in March next year. Any tips? Oh, there's so many things you can do. So I would uh, like go around your house and start decluttering now. You, the less garbage crap you have in your house, the better. So like take off all things off the shelves. You know, if you have a bookcase and it's loaded with a bunch of books, take about half the books out. I always tell my clients when they were listing that, you know, all the stuff you see in your house, remove about half of it. <laughs> Because <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, it's gonna look bare, and I'm gonna, I always say, no, it's gonna look bigger, and people like bigger, so remove about half of it. I would hire a professional cleaning person before you even put the sign in the yard. I hire a professional cleaning person to clean your house from top to bottom. I would uh, go through and start adding as much flowers in your flower beds as as you can. Uh, one of the most overlooked things that most people don't understand is that curb appeal is the first thing that they see. So if your mailbox looks like garbage, it's time to either A, replace your mailbox 
or be like paint it and get it up to par. I know that seems really minor, but it makes a big difference because they already have a mindset when they see a nice shiny new um, mailbox in the front. They're like, oh, they really take care of the place. Oh, look at those flowers. So they're already in a good mindset before they walk through the door. So if you have any other issues, they might be willing to look over it because they already have a, a good warm feeling before they walk through the door. Those are just a few things. If you want some more advice, just go ahead and email me. Thomas Morrison says, um, Christina, I think not worth it for four years in college unless you want to hold onto a property for a longer period of time than rent it out. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, I'm not getting rid of it. Uh, I plan on keeping it for other college students in the future. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm not just buying it for them and going, oh, I'm just going to sell it in four years. Absolutely not. I, to me, to me, it doesn't even make sense if you're not going to, and this goes to everybody in the chat, every single person, if you don't plan on living in that house or holding onto that house for seven years, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't buy a house. Very, very rarely will we see a, a moment in history like we just saw in the last two years where you see equity go up hundreds of thousands of dollars on pieces of property within two years. You know, most of the time, you're not going to get a really good return on your investment for at least seven years. So if you don't plan on holding on to it for seven years, the house, don't buy it. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> you guys like my cat? This is my Halloween cat. <laughs> it's my Halloween cat. All right. Planning to build planning a build to rent home in Aldi, Virginia on my lot. And since we're allowed uh, to build uh, only one home, any size, do you think mod modular multifamily better option for rent to cost wise? If it was me, I would do multifamily. That would be, that would be me. I would do multifamily buildings. Y'all I'm hot. So hold on a second. I'm, gonna, I'm changing out of this thing. I'm like, I don't know if you can see my face as red as a tomato. Cause I'm like sweating. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was trying, I was trying to like bite the bullet. I'm like, maybe, maybe I can make it through. Maybe I can make it through. I cannot. I am, oh. <laughs> I am like melting, <laughs> melting. Here we go. Back to, back to uh, the reality here. And if you could put another question on the screen, I will answer that since I have undressed in front of my audience. <laughs> not, not really anybody that's listening. I'm not, I'm not, I'm clothed. <laughs> I have clothes on, I promise. <laughs> Debbie Brady, look away, she's stripping. I'm not, I'm not that, this isn't that kind of channel. <laughs> yeah, people said polo. <laughs> Somebody did it. Yay. <laughs> um, so Thomas says, uh, would lowering the rate restart the current housing price increase again? Yes, it would. Lower rate equals more affordable within uh, with little inventory. If we have in the, it, this is what I'm kind of thinking in my brain, because this always happens. And I'm not I'm like, this is just from what I've seen in history. Every time we go into an election year, interest rates tend to favor, you know, during that time. I see that the closer we get to the election, the closer we're going to see uh, interest rates drop, the closer, I mean, and now that's going to do is start a firestorm again of, uh, you know, multiple offers, um, you know, crazy investors, investors really love, you know, this kind of market. Um, right now, like 
right now they're in a good shape because people say, well, the investors are pulling out, but, but they're, they know what they're doing. They're like, well, they know that a lot of home buyers are sitting on the, on the edge. Right. And they have cash. So they just walk right up to them and say, Hey, look, I know you're not getting any offers on your house. I know you have it listed for 250,000. I'll, I'll buy it from you for 230,000 cash and you can walk away from it. And they're like, well, I gained, you know, 70,000 in the last couple of years. Well, I'll, you know, what? Let's, I'll just get rid of it. And they know what they're doing. Um, so, but if this starts all over again and you have those investors that are new investors that don't have cash and this, now the money's cheap, the investment money's cheap and other people that have been sitting on the fence waiting to buy their first home, it's going to, it's going to cause a problem all over again. Um, Bar Barbara Corcoran said it's like all hell's going to break loose. And she said that on the morning news. And then she was like, oh, I can't say that, can I? <laughs> well, you did, Barbara. You already did. They didn't even bleep it out. <laughs> so, and he's pulling this up. I'm wondering if this air conditioner is working in here. My God, I feel like I'm melting. Huh. Uh, 2,000 years later, what was this? Eddie, what are you doing? This is you're pulling memes up on the screen. Oh, I think he hit the wrong button. You <laughs> click that off real quick. <laughs> uh, Eddie, you already put that question up on the screen. If you could put another question up, that would be great. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I have a, I actually have a real black cat that looks just like that. And her name is Soapy. And uh, so my daughter got me this for um, my birthday. So, so I could have uh, a fake soapy in my office. Um, listen, ha 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 says, is it true that a tiny home on wheels is a depreciating asset and a tiny home on a foundation is an appreciating asset? Okay. So um, the only time when I'd say that a tiny home on wheels is an appreciating asset is during a time like we had during the pandemic. That's the only time I've ever known of anybody that had an older tiny home that were was able to sell it for more than they purchased it for. Um, I actually even fe featured that couple on my channel. That being said, um, just like anything, as long as it's on a piece of land, like the one that's on a foundation, you're gonna have more appreciation with that specific house than you would uh, one on wheels because you can remove it. The one on wheels you can remove. Not only that, they go down the road. They're built to totally different uh, building specifications. You know, the ones that are on foundation uh, are usually have to meet some kind of building codes in the area. It's a, it's going to be a different type of house. The one on, that's on wheels can go on the road. It's built to RV specifications. It doesn't meet uh, local building codes. So yes, you're going to have. To me, a tiny home on wheels is very similar to a boat. It's very similar to a boat. Like you get a brand new boat, you know, it's as soon as you drive off the lot, you know, every year you're going to have to keep the maintenance up. The insurance is really high. It's a depreciating asset. But you can't, in some cases, when the market is really crazy and tight and there isn't a lot of homes, you can get, uh, you can get more money for it than when you purchased it for I mean, there just isn't enough housing right now. So it's it's very possible in today's conditions that if you bought a tiny home in 2019, you probably could sell it for a lot more than you purchased it for because there isn't anything available. So here we go. Can you if if y'all give me a minute, I'm gonna turn down this air, man. I am sweltering, sweltering. I'll be right back. <laughs> I gotta, gotta keep this sucker down. Oh. I'm usually not like this. Maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm like getting to that age where I'm like, uh, 
Like, you know how like they, I'm flashing. I don't think I'm flashing, but maybe I am. <laughs> AJ07 says, have you ever heard of LGI homes? They offer homes that are ready for you to move in a low down payment and low monthly payments. What's the catch? LGI homes, they offer homes that are ready for you to move in at a low down payment and low monthly payments. Hmm. And he's going to pull this up. I've never heard of LGI. Let me see what the acronym means. Uh, fell into your dream home with LGI. This is the website. We don't build houses. We build homes. So are they offering a low interest rate? Now, I, I will tell you this. There's a there's a builder here that um, that's building uh, homes that are under medium value. And they were they have a they have a local lender here that they're doing them at five nine nine percent. They really are. So if you use their lender and their title company, they will give you a house at five nine nine percent. So uh, LGI Homes, we build our success on construction, uh, constructing quality homes at attainable, affordable prices. Our spacious new homes are built in amenity rich communities across the US providing safety privacy of your own home along with the convenience and access to nearby cities. I've never heard of this company. Is it like I wonder if they're offering like a lower interest rates or um what they're doing to make uh the payments low or what, maybe they're just saying low payments. Um I don't know what they're offering to make their payments low unless they're given some kind of incentive to make it low, or maybe the loan pro, maybe the years of the loan are even longer. I'm not sure. I don't know. I've never heard of this company, honestly. We don't have them here in Louisiana. I'll look into it more, though. I'll let you know. It'll be interesting. Now, I've seen like some, um, because the last time I was talking about um, homes that you could, uh, they call them like rent to own homes. Um, I, and I, there is a company that does them. They're mostly up north, though. And uh, they start these neighborhoods. Everybody in the neighborhood is uh, a renter. But you have the option at the end of the lease to own it. And um, they've had some success with it. Uh, but, uh, you know, just one of those things, just be careful when you're doing something like that. Not everybody is as reputable as some of the bigger ones when it comes to rent to own. I've seen people do that with some smaller lenders that, I mean, smaller uh, landlords, and they, they never had an intention of selling that homes to them after they were getting done with their rent and they took a big deposit from them. So just, you know, like I said, just be careful. Uh, ask first, why do you want to buy a house? Are you going to sleep there? Sleep, health, wealth, red face, droopy eyes, red face, blue, smiling, 114 West Coast. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that means, Eddie. <laughs> that was an interesting comment. MR, question. Is uh, price per square foot something you should seriously look at when house hunting? If so, is there a certain price per square foot number to be under? Example, more than anything over 250 square feet uh, is overpriced. That's a very interesting question and a very good question. So price per square foot is going to depend on the neighborhood, like the neighborhood that you live in. And um, price per square foot is going to depend on the on new construction too, because price per square foot on new construction is going to be different than existing construction. And there's always a uh, like a median or an average for the specific town. So let's just say um, 
the city of Baton Rouge price per square foot is $200 uh, for existing homes, but price per square foot on new homes is $250,000. So you're going to want to know that for that specific area. I you're going to have to contact your real estate agent for that. At one time, I mean, like a one time, the average square uh, price per square foot was $100 per square foot. $100, but not, not anymore. And also know this too, when the bigger the house, the less this, uh, most, in most cases, the bigger the house, the, when they're building a bigger house, the square footage price per square foot is actually cheaper, the bigger it is. Just, just to let you know. Christina, uh, look, I can't even say my own name. Christina, are there any reputable companies that sell land for low prices and a low down payment? That is an investigation thing. And that brings up a very important point that I want to bring out to every single person because whenever there's desperate times, there's always desperate people that do desperate things to, to scam you, right? There's been an increase of people creating fake titles to pieces of land and trying to sell them online. So anytime you're looking at any piece of land, I want you to go to the courthouse or go to your uh, tax assessor's office or to their website and make sure they're the actual owners of that piece of land, because this is what's been happening. They, these scammers will go online, they'll fake a whole title, they'll put it up for sale. They'll tell the person, if you buy this from me for $10,000 cash, when it normally would have been valued at $100,000, because they're in desperate situation to get it sold because of whatever reason, that just give them $10,000 cash. They're going to go ahead and hand over the deed to you, sign everything with the notary. You think you have something official in your hands. And then sure enough, a year down the road, when you're going to build something, the like you can't because it doesn't belong to you and you didn't know that, but you you had everything signed. You had a notary come out there. You have a deed. Doesn't exist. It was all fake. The whole thing was fake. So find out what the survey says. Survey says for the land. You know, there's usually a, a survey online. If you can't find a survey, there might be a uh, mock survey on the tax assessor's website. On that survey, it will say who the owners of that piece of dirt are. If it doesn't match who's selling the house, contact the seller and say, I just looked on the tax assessor's website. This isn't matching what you said. Can you give me some clarification? Most of the time, they're going to run for the hills after that. They're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, well, my cousin's uncle's brother died and da, da, da. And if they say that, they say somebody died in the family and they inherited, say, I want to see this succession that says that you now own this piece of property. They're not going to be able to magically pull that out of the air. And if you're even more concerned, but you still want that piece of property, contact a local title office in your area and ask them to pull up the, the paperwork because it only takes them a few seconds. It won't even cost you that much money. In most areas, it, won't even, it will be free. Just ask them to pull it up and say, does this piece of property, or is it owned by this company or person? So just be very careful when you're buying a piece of land. Um, but yeah, it doesn't even matter what company. You can look on Zillow, Realtor.com and land, lands.com. Uh, there's so many different places that sell land. Doesn't matter who's selling it. Just be very careful to make sure that they own it and that you will be the rightful owner at the end of it. Inventor Edgar says, when submitting an offer, what is the most attractive to the seller? The price 
uh, price reduction with the buyer paying closing costs or ask asking price with the seller paying closing costs equivalent to the price reduction? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good question <laughs> because you're, you're, you're playing semantics at this point, you know, like the realtors, the real estate agents know what you're doing. You know, they're like, okay, it's like, they, they say it's six on one side and a half a dozen on this other, on the other, you know, in some seller's mind, the fact that they got their asking price, you know, cause that's what it says on the paper. They're like, oh, I got asking price, but I paid 10,000 in closing costs you know, for that specific bragging right, for some reason, that seems like a big deal to them. Um, but in other cases, they don't care either way. Um, you have to test it. You have to test what the seller is willing to do. Um, some some people can't, their ego can't handle it. Like, I want to sell it for $250,000. You know, I'll give the 5000 in closing costs, but I'm selling it for two hundred fifty instead of like taking it down to two forty five and the buyer paying closing costs. Like, it, like it, it's just a, it's just a number one way or the other. You're still paying the same amount. You're still getting to the same amount at the end. <laughs> they don't get it. Oh, the air conditioning's finally working. Oh, I don't know how the settlers did it. I don't know how anybody did it back in the day. I was put on this earth for the like this time, this this period in history because there's air conditioning. There's no way, no way in the world I can handle this. <laughs> no way. <laughs> if you guys have any questions, please sure, make sure uh, put it on the screen. Okay, here we go. Eddie's got a big question on the screen. Gonna put it up on the screen any moment. I got a message saying it. All right. Please address how illegal immigration is causing massive strain on our real estate market where the majority of Americans suffer because of this. Um, I don't know what you mean uh, because like a lot of the places that are taking in immigrants, they're just taking over commercial buildings or old hotels and they're putting uh, immigrants there. I mean, they're not taking over luxury homes where people are, are purchasing them. They're not even taking over good, affordable homes. It's usually like places that most people wouldn't want to live. Um, if you're talking about like uh, we have a lot of foreign investors that are buying a lot of housing, you know, like China's one of them. China's like the biggest investor in the United States for um, buying up like farmland and uh, housing. And a lot of them will leave it vacant because they're using it as a place to park their money. I think there should be a limitation on foreign investment in our country. I, I've, I've thought that for quite some time. There should be some process for them to uh, not so easily be able to buy a piece of dirt here. But that's just me. Um, but I don't, I mean, I know like New York City has had a big influx of uh, illegal immigrants. No, they're, no, actually, they're not illegal. They're legal. They're legally came well not i shouldn't say they're not illegal yet because they've all been accounted for i guess they are illegal they're just waiting for their green cards um and they have had a big influx but they're not like living in the best accommodations under the sun that's for dang sure some of them are living i mean like in, on slabs of concrete you know, like I wouldn't give that to anybody. I wouldn't even give that to my dog without a blanket. I mean, 
I don't, I don't see that as a big issue of, you know, legal immigrants are taking all of our homes. I just don't see that. I don't see that at all. But that's just me. I mean, you can, you can argue with me later <laughs> about it. But from what I've seen, that's not the case. Not the case. Question, should we stop calling it a market? A market has both buyers and sellers. We don't have much of, of either right now. Uh, it's kind of like uh, I beginning of the year, I said the real estate market was going to be the great stagnation, and I was right. And it seems like uh, corporations have dictated a lot of what's going on in almost every single market. And now they have wielded their little claws into the real estate market. And if real estate continues to go up at the rate that it's been going up, and even if it's just only, let's just say it only goes up 4% next year, that's still very unaffordable for a lot of most Americans because our wages have gone down. If corporations own most of the real estate, we're no longer a buyer seller market. We're a corporately owned entity, owned, owned. We're not, we don't own anything. So that's crazy. Oh, Christina, where'd you buy your little kitty? So my actual little kitty, I got her from uh, a foster care, you know, like one of those foster places. But this kitty came from my daughter and she gave it to me, I think for my, either Christmas or my, it was for my birthday. It's for my birthday. She got it for me. And it's a, it's a uh, example of the actual kitty I adopted. And uh, I don't know where she got it. I think she got it on the old internet. You know, the little Amazon company, that's that small corporation, the small corporation, boutique Amazon. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> All right. We got another question. If you have a home on wheels and travel around, where is your homestead? Where do you pay uh, pay your state tax? So if you are like if you have an RV, you're not paying a homestead. Um, you actually you don't have a homestead tax if you're parking it in a park. Um, you would not be able to claim homestead on it. Um, you would pay, like you pay property taxes in your rent to the, to the, um, the park itself that you're renting the space from. Those property taxes will come out of that. Some areas have it set up though, that you actually get a property tax bill for that lot from the state. I don't, I mean, everywhere is different, but here it would work out like your rent included the property taxes for the piece of dirt that you're renting, the lot that you're renting. And that would just be part of your rent that you pay every single month. But you don't have a specific place that you actually, you know, own it. Um, there is no, you get no homestead exemption on that home that you live in that's on wheels or even a manufactured home for that matter. Question, how uh, how hot and humid is Louisiana where you live? If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Uh, where would it be? I mean, I want to go back up north if I'm going to be honest with you. I do want to go back up north because I'm, I'm tired of being hot. It is so hot here. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> if I was to pick someplace, I'd probably go back. My original, where I grew up is uh, Massachusetts. I, I would like to go there, but I don't know if I could afford to live there. Um, but I would love to be somewhere cooler. It's somewhere that has real, uh, you know, real seasons. You know, when October hits, it gets a little bit cooler kind of thing. 
So, I mean, I've been looking at the Carolinas. That's something you can always think about. Um, but yeah, the more further north, the better. I'm a girl of the north. <laughs> in the wintertime here when it's 20 degrees, I'm not joking when I tell you this, I open all the windows in the house. I open them all up and I make it as cold as I can in here. I'm like, the girls will be like, it's freezing here. I'm like, put on a sweater, <laughs> put on a sweater. That's what they made sweaters for. I'm a girl of the North. <laughs> yeah, but it is hot in here. Yeah, it's awful. I don't, 10 out of 10 don't recommend summers here. I, when people say, oh, I'm going to go to uh, New Orleans in August. I'm like, oh, you poor soul. Why would you do that? <laughs> I bet you'll leave the hotel once. Yeah. Look, yeah, Eddie wants to go to North Carolina. He's My husband's smitten with Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina. He's he's a schmitten. <laughs> it is beautiful up there. We went up there uh, years ago for our anniversary. Or was it for my birthday? It was for my birthday. And uh, he fell in love with it. So I... 10 out of 10 would recommend. Uh, <laughs> do you think the evictions that will happen because of the 2020 pandemic will bring down rent? Daughter can't buy or rent now. Yeah, then that's the case for a lot of people. I think some areas, like we haven't had rental moratoriums here in forever. There, I mean, like there hasn't been. But there's going to be places like California and everything else that has that like they lifted all those moratoriums they're going to be evicting a bunch of people it's possible that rent prices could go down in some areas um but for right now we still have a lack of units and some i'm i'm not a hundred percent convinced that some of this isn't manufactured by uh, big corporations and and foreign investors on the lack of apartment buildings that are available i've been following a few people on social media sites that live in buildings that only have a handful of residents living in them. Why? It's not like there isn't enough people to rent them out. Why is it that there's a good portion of, of San Diego and San Francisco that has vacant buildings, vacant, vacant housing? It isn't everybody there. They can't be that all of these people have a second house. Is are they doing it on purpose because they're trying to keep the rent up because they own so many rentals? Because if you own the most rentals in the area, you're basically dictating the price of how much those rents are. You, you're the one. If you own the most rentals, you're dictating the price. But it is possible it could. Ooh. I think, well, he's, I think he's going to raise it. I think he's going to raise it. Some people say he's not, but I think he's going to raise it. Quarter point. We'll see. We'll see. I think uh, I'm going to have uh, Ryan on here. Ryan LaRussa. He loves to talk about the Fed. Not, not because he's like in love with Jerome Powell, but he likes to tell you how it affects the mortgage market when um, things, whenever Jerome Powell says what he says. And you know what? Uh, it isn't usually what, the the speech that he reads you know when he reads his little speech he's just saying you know we're planning on doing this we're trying to tamper down we're doing the you know we're trying to bring it down to the two percent he says this paragraph right that literally takes him like three minutes to, to read it nothing really happens with markets until he opens his mouth when people start asking questions the minute he the questions start getting asked he says all sorts of crazy stuff and it makes all the markets go nuts 
So who knows what's going to happen? I, I wish they get a new guy, but you know, that's just me. Alex says, uh, what do you know about the gravity furnace in an old house? A gravity furnace? I've never heard of this. How hard is it to put in an AC in a home built in the 1920s? I do not have my, um, I'm not a general contractor. I've done my fair share of flipping of houses, but we have yet to have de dealt with a house that has a furnace in it ever. Like we, I don't, I have never heard of a gravity furnace. Oh, Eddie's going to pull it up on the screen because he, he knew I didn't know. He, he knows we've never heard of it. A gravity furnace inspection. Gravity furnaces are heating units that, and they're related to equipment that employ gravity to move warm air through the building. These antiquated furnaces were installed from the 1800s to the mid 20th century and are still found in some older buildings. Rip that sucker out. It's probably full of asbestos. <laughs> Their design is simple. The fuel is inserted through a door into a combustion chamber, which heats the surrounding air before it rises into upper levels of the dwelling through ductwork, running throughout the walls and the floors of the building. Vents that are strategically attached to the ductwork, allowing hot air to escape into the rooms. This design is sometimes referred to as an octopus furnace. That sounds like a nightmare. That sounds like... A nightmare. It's probably full of lead paint and asbestos. Take that sucker out. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about on that, but it sounds dangerous. <laughs> it gives me an icky feeling. And my dad always says, trust your gut. My gut says, rip that sucker out. <laughs> so Denver's uh, migrants are getting apartments. It, now, do they have, uh, what kind of apartments? Like, what do these apartments look like? Because I know my area, they don't. It isn't anything I would like write home about. That's for darn sure. Uh oh. Eddie's having, you know, like when we are for some reason my computer needs to be reset. Where are you looking there, Papa? I can't see anything. Yes, I call my my husband Papa. <laughs> I love it when you call me Big Papa. Throw your hands in the air like a true player. Anybody that knows what I'm talking about. I was quoting a song there. I was quoting a song. Yeah, I don't, I, I haven't seen what kind of apartments they're getting, but um, like I, I, there were some in Texas and they were old, like old motor in. I wouldn't call them apartments. They were like motor in hotels and they had like six families in one little tiny room with a bathroom. Yeah. Christina's rapid. Biggie Smalls. That's right. <laughs> I call my husband Biggie Smalls, you know. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to put this question on the screen. I don't know what happened to Eddie Teddy there. Question. What do you think about uh, this new way of ste to steal people's homes by paying their property taxes. This is not new, matter of fact. People do it around here for years and they've been basically kicking out their owners. I've been getting YouTube ads to go learn how. Okay, yeah, this that's not a new, new strategy. That's been going on since the beginning of real estate, honestly. There's a matter of fact, a group of old guys, this is no joke, there's a group of old guys here. They meet at the local restaurant and have breakfast in the morning. Then they run down to the tax uh, uh, assessor's office and see, first of all, who's going into foreclosure and see if they can pay their foreclosures or, or B, they start paying their tax bills they, they, and they hold on to them so they can evict them. They do it all the time. That's not a new thing. Uh, that's been going on since 
the dawn of real estate. Um, migrants move into a housing and miss new shelter rules. The city is allowing migrants to stay up to 30 days starting on May 8th. Only migrants who have gone through the immigration can be sheltered. Okay. What are these? That doesn't look bad. Uh, so they can stay into, they can stay there for 30 days. Is that what it's saying, Eddie? Since their arrival on January 21st, Wil Wilmer and his family, including two children, stayed at a city-run shelter in April that announced the new changes to sheltering. Okay. They were the uh, part of the last group who were into shelters that uh, that had more than others who uh, went into the shelter system in the future. If anybody's seen a shelter, they're not really like the Taj Mahal. This week, the city of Denver announced they will be sh only sheltering migrants who have encountered immigration, largely meaning that they will only serve those who have gone through the port of entry. The rule goes into effect May 8th. The city chooses to move with the guidance of resulting in funding limitations and the lack of reimbursement. Denver says that it needs help with federal funding for those phone, uh, funds. Um, are only eligible for those who have uh, hard, hard known immigration in a budget meeting. The city, it will also made that rules have changed newly arriving immigrant, uh, immigrants. Those who are entering the shelter system will only have 30 days before they are, have to vacate. So you only get 30 days in an apartment. That doesn't sound like, uh, you know, they're taking over housing to me. <laughs> you know? Great. You get 30 days to find a house. Good luck. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so you go ahead and, and, you know, you can totally do that. That's a, that's a legitimate thing that, you know, you pay somebody's property taxes. I think every state has something different, but it's like five years you pay their property taxes. Even if the house is paid off, it becomes your house. Um, so thank you. It's my, my Halloween decoration. It's my Halloween de decoration. All right, everybody, if you're looking to get a real estate agent in your area that knows about tax sales, that knows about foreclosures in the area, that knows about short sales, if you're thinking that you need to go through bankruptcy before you sell your house, don't do that, by the way. You can always find a real estate agent in your area. And if you don't happen to know one in your area, you can always visit my website at christinasmallhorn.com. And you hit the, one of the pink buttons, fill out the referral form. Once you hit that uh, pink button, fill out the referral form, please put your phone number, you leave your phone number there. I'll be able to uh, contact you. I do personally contact everybody. Poor Eddie, the internet's so slow on that side of the house. I do need to reset my computer. That's why it's taking so long for those images to show up on the screen. But there it is. Just fill out the referral form and I'll be able to get a hold of you and we'll talk to you about your real estate needs. If you want to listen to me more on, um, like you want to listen to this as a replay, you can find anywhere you go on your podcast, just go for Christina just look at my name, Christina Smallhorn, you know, everything you need to know about real estate. It's up there. Just find me. I'm there. I, I post it every week. Oh, and one more thing. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking to build up your YouTube channel and you don't know how to do that, just go to my newest website and with my newest course that I offer to real estate agents. It's called the Real Estate Video Geeks course. And we, me and my friend Joe Eves have put together a, uh, a course that is specific just for real estate agents and mortgage brokers to help them build, help you build your YouTube channel so you can have a successful 
local channel just like mine and have all these amazing people in the audience that we're talking to and asking you real estate questions. So if you're a real estate agent and like to have a channel like mine, just go over to realestatevideogeeks.com and fill out the form over there. Everybody, I hope you have a fantastic week. If we'll see what's happening with the Fed on Wednesday. If you have any questions in the meantime, just go ahead and pop them in the comments section below once this video is done. And I will get back to you as soon as plausible. Everybody, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for being a part of this. We had over 500 people today. I really appreciate everybody's their now is time, even though it is unprecedented times. I'm kind of tired of that. <laughs> let's 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 have less unprecedented times. Let's let's hope for that this week. So thank you everybody. So long. Farewell. Because I don't like football, but I know you do. You gonna dance it out? Everybody dance it out. Eddie's jamming.